Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Should Christians do Halloween or not? We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always, Tregons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's going on, guys? Happy Friday, Junior. Living the dream as always. <laughs> we are. We are. It's crazy. We're almost a Friday. I feel like it was just Monday. Right. I mean, I feel like a broken record in saying this every week, but uh, where yeah. does the time go? How yeah. are we to Thursday? When I we know. have an answer, when we have an answer, we will bring that to you. But we're going to be talking. Right? We're going to be talking about Halloween and people keep celebrating that thing. And uh, but there's <laughs> there's always this conversation. I mean, not to tip my hat on where I stand on it, but um, <laughs> but the debate's just always raging on this. Yeah, well, and I think every year it almost gets more intense in different ways. And right. I think whatever's yeah. going on in culture is kind of yeah impacting that. It's well, not the fun thing that it used to be. Like when I was a little kid, I dressed up as a slice of pizza and that was fun. But now it's all the <laughs> demonic stuff right. that's concerning. Right, And we also happen to have everyone celebrating demonic stuff all year round anyway, like right. witches and all this other nonsense. So it kind of takes on a whole new meaning. So. Uh, we'll have more on that conversation here coming up in a minute. And also on the main thing, we are going to talk about Christians. How do we navigate the fire hose of information that's coming in on a daily basis as the election looms? Got a great conversation with DL Moody Center President James Spencer. But first, we are going to go through the news in 90 seconds. And President Joe Biden announced a plan yesterday to sell off 15 million barrels of crude oil from the nation's emergency supply, what many perceive as a desperate attempt to lower gasoline prices ahead of the midterms on November 8th. And just a couple of weeks ago, Saudi Arabia and OPEC, they sided with Russia and decided on a production cut. And Biden continues to blame the actions of other countries for the high prices. But critics are arguing that actions his own administration took early on in its presidency, like halting the Keystone XL pipeline in 2021, which was expected to carry 830,000 barrels per day of our Alberta oil sands crude to Nebraska. Things like that have also contributed to the price hikes. And on a related note, with midterms approaching, polling shows Republicans surging as Democrats continue to focus on abortion as their key issue while the economy teeters on the brink, once having a 1.3% edge in generic congressional vote support, it's now a 2.2% advantage for Republicans when voters are asked which party they would support. That's according to Real Clear Politics. Uh, you can tune into CBN News Channel online or YouTube on election night for CBN's special coverage. And those are just some of the today's top headlines. You can check out more over at CBNNews.com. And guys, you know, the... Midterms, it's heating up, and um, Democrats continue to focus on abortion, as we've talked about this week, but the economy continues to be a big um, sto- uh, the big concern for voters. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have money, and we've talked about this a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're going to vote based on that. Whether yeah. or not you can get gas, buy groceries, do those things. So I think that's that's what we're watching happen. People are reacting to that. 
Well, and even the way that they're talking about abortion, I think, is turning off a lot of certainly middle of the road people, right? And definitely conservatives who are already opposed to them on this issue anyway. But like I was just listening to an interview Stacey Abrams did yesterday afternoon yeah. uh, where she was talking about, uh, you know, it's so awful that in Georgia, uh, women are not able to just go get abortions whenever they want to. And I, that, I don't know, that messaging just doesn't sound like it would be appealing to to most people. Like most people are not all excited about going yeah. and getting an abortion like it's a vending machine well and i think well, in, yeah. yeah and in that same clip with stacy abrams because i saw uh, her debate as well and she answers a question about the economy saying that abortion is connected to it and yeah, that because right. you're having kids and that's exactly why it's costing you so much money it's just the pro-choice side of things tries to downplay the fact of what is actually happening in abortion but then when you directly tie it and say well all these kids are costing so much money it sounds it, so cruel well it sounds cruel and it reveals that you understand what is happening inside the womb if you understand that it is a child coming out of the womb that is going to have right. you know you're yeah. going to be responsible for when it, but yeah it sounds so cold and callous and I don't think it's going to probably play well with voters so then you have those evil lying sonogram machines that keep tricking uh, yeah. people into thinking there are heartbeats <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. yeah i know i saw i actually up here in pennsylvania i've heard a few of the ads you know the political ads fetterman and dr oz and i just heard an attack ad on dr oz and it's like the scary music dude dr oz he says he's pro-life and that life starts at conception dun 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 you know and i was just like this isn't scary like that's just some basic biology. <laughs> scared you made this and thought that it was going to resonate. That's what's scary. Right, it is. Oh. So yeah, some wild stuff going on, particularly up here in Pennsylvania or wherever you might have a heated election in your neck of the woods. So, uh, all right, let's head into our uh, next story here. And um, Billy, Halloween, as we talked about at the top here, I mean, this, this kind of circles back, and I think a lot of Christians struggle with this. Um, before I reveal what my family does, each Halloween. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about what the, what's happening here with the debate this year. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Every few years they ask pastors how they handle it, right? How do they handle Halloween? Because at the end of the day, if Christians are going to be debating this, one of those core questions is how are the faith leaders that they follow directing them, right? Mm. And so we have some new survey data from Lifeway Research finding that, and I think this, this one isn't that shocking, that 71% of pastors, and these are Protestant pastors, they encourage people in their church to invite their friends and their loved ones and their neighbors to alternative church events. Those events might happen on Halloween or near Halloween, but the vast majority are, you know, seven in 10 are making that sort of encouragement. Uh, but the other one that I thought was interesting was that almost 60%, 58% were encouraging their church members to build relationships with neighbors who specifically trick or treat. So to actually engage with the trick or treaters. So mm. that, that was an interesting one. Yeah. So, um, uh, are there any interesting sort of changes or swings in recent years? Because as I said, we've had this debate, but are we seeing any changes happening? Yeah, so here's one change, and it's it's slight, but it's pretty notable. 13% of pastors encouraged people to totally avoid Halloween, right? So mm. they, they were saying, do not be involved at all. Don't do anything. Don't engage in it. That was up from 8% in 2016. So I thought, I thought that was really interesting yeah. because if, if you take that, that's five percentage points. That's a big increase. There was another increase 
in this question of should people hand out gospel tracks to trick-or-treaters, right? <laughs> and that's always been sort of a discussion and a debate um, in here. But basically, it was found that 34% of pastors were encouraging people to hand out gospel tracks. That was also up from 26% in 2016. So the point is, there was an increase in pastors basically saying, don't be involved and make sure you get the gospel message out. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a, how pastors would react to a lot of issues, which makes a lot of sense, right? Use this issue to spread the gospel. And uh, it's funny because we've in recent years had a change in our family because, and I think it's because of the things you guys mentioned earlier, which there's that shift in, you know, trade going from pizza slices and dressing up as funny things to the demonic and it really being dark and twisted. And uh, that's kind of led us to be like, oh, what are we doing? We're not, we don't really want any part of that. So we just set up a fire pit in our driveway, and um, when people come by and we give out candy, we we tell them when they say Happy Halloween or whatever, we just say Happy Reformation Day. And, uh, <laughs> and then we get a lot of odd looks, and some people ask us what it is, and we start a conversation. It's fun. So, so <laughs> and, uh, and we also hand out, we hand out tracks, too. I mean, you know, I don't see the harm in that, so that's kind of how our family does it. Well, we know who's getting egged this year. The Andros. <laughs> no, okay, that's actually cool. Though. Hey, I'll I take like that, that persecution for Christ. I'll take it I all like day that. long. I like that the fire pit thing. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's good to to do those things. Like I, there are all kinds of different ways to do them. Like uh, churches do all kinds of outreach events, and uh, you know that are safer because a lot of people don't live in neighborhoods where they can go out and trick or treat. Yeah. But a local church might do a trunk or treat type thing, or you know whatever in their parking lot, which I think is cool. I think really we need to take, this is what culture is doing. This is what society is doing. There are obviously some evil sides to it or some, some irredeemable aspects to it, but how can I look at, at, at what's good there and redeem it and use it as, as an opportunity to share the gospel? And I think that's, that's what we as Christians need to be keenly looking for, right? Is how can, yeah. how can I step into this situation, however dark it is and be a bit of light to people and, and present them with the gospel when they might not otherwise get to hear it. Right. And, and, and you're not hiding from culture, right. And being so afraid right. of culture, it's, it's engaging with culture in a way. And that, I think that's a good thing to just get used to doing all the time, not just on like holidays, like Halloween or whatever. It's like, let's just see how can we use whatever activity we're doing to further glorify Christ and spread uh, the good news. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks Billy for that one. Appreciate it. We're going to head into the main thing now. And Christians, how can we navigate that fire hose of information that's coming as the election looms? I mean, there's just so much and you can really get lost in it and and wrapped up in it. And um, even some people get fearful of what could happen if their side doesn't win. So we had a great conversation with D.L. Moody Center President James Spencer on today's main thing. So, James, there's a lot of information just flooding in here ahead of the election. It can be overwhelming. You guys have put some stuff together to help Christians navigate, uh, particularly the abortion issue, but other issues as well. So what have you guys put together? Well, we have we, we've run uh, what's called the Go Dark Shine Bright campaign for the last couple of years. And um, basically what we decided was that um, social media isn't evil. Um, I'm on social media. We're not against it. Um, but everybody needs a little break, even from good things. And so the Go Dark Shine Bright campaign challenges Christians to get off of social media for 10 days, just take a complete and total social media fast, and then come back onto social media with some orientation to sharing their faith and being a strong witness on social media. 
And so that's one of the things that we really try to emphasize. And as we look at even diving into elections, you know, more than just understanding the issues and those kind of things, one of the things I usually recommend to people is, um, you know, decide how much information you're going to take in at any given point of the day, um, decide whether you need that much information, and then decide how you're going to respond to that information. Um, so I always think back to Numbers 13 and 14, an Old Testament guy. Um, this is when the spies bring back the report from the land. And uh, everybody but Caleb basically says, um, the people that we're going into this place are strong. Their cities are they're, you know, huge. Um, we really don't have a shot at this. And the Israelites decide, well, maybe we'll go back to Egypt. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and Joshua and Caleb were also amongst the spies. They're like, hold on just a second. Um, as long as we're following God, like these people don't hold a threat to us. And I think that when I, when I think about response to the information we're getting, that's what I really mean is that Christians need to continually hold on to this idea that as long as we're being faithful, Right. When we confront these issues, as long as we're walking with God, there's going to be something that God does <laughs> through it and for us um, that that we can't really even imagine. That's why he's the God who's able to do more than we're ever able to ask or think. So um, that's kind of how I reason through that. The other side of it, though, is understanding the issues. And so we've put out a, a guide, uh, 20 questions on Christians abortion in the United States. And uh, very much what we want to convey in this guide is that um, the abortion issue, and I think almost any other political issue that we wanted to talk about, shouldn't take primary stage. We should still be nesting that within discipleship. And that as we're interacting with an issue, we can't really neglect the people who are on the other side of that issue. And so the way I usually phrase it is, you know, we have to, as Christians, we don't have the choice of deciding whether we want to save unborn lives or other people. You know, um, we have to do both. And so proclaiming the gospel as we interact with people who hold a different position on us or as us than, um, than, than we might on the abortion issue is really crucial and important. So that guide uh, goes through a number of different questions that we felt were pertinent to the issue, including just how Christians relate to government, um, as well as how is it that the Great Commission relates to the abortion uh, conversation? You know, I think with because of social media and because of smartphones and because you know there's we can get news from any different place on earth from any different angle under the sun, and it's hard to kind of figure out, okay, how can I parse what's true here, what's hyperbole, what's you know objective, and what's what's someone's opinion? Uh, all of that is so difficult to do, but you mentioned uh, discerning how much information do I need to take in? How long do I need to consume all of this content? Can you give us maybe some practical handles about how should I consume news and, and when is it enough? Yeah, um, there, there's actually some really good statistics I can just throw out on this and then kind of back into some practical steps. Um, the Chapman University study on American fears, um, they did some correlation uh, work and basically found that people who watch news on a daily basis tend to have more fear of certain issues than those who watch once a week. What was really interesting is that it wasn't just the frequency of watching, it was about what you watched. You watch conservative news outlets, you'll be more concerned or more fearful about conservative fears. If you watch liberal outlets, you'll be more concerned or fear 
uh, more liberal fears. And those went up in the order of three times and two times conservative to liberal. Um, so, so here's kind of what I would say. Watch less frequently. I, I think once every two weeks has been fine for me. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm 45. So I grew up in an era where I actually started out with a rotary phone and no, uh, no voicemail. And, and I survived. Um, I'm still here. Um, I was out of contact with people for long periods of time. Um, I didn't have text messaging. Sometimes my parents didn't know where I was. Like, it's survivable. It's probably and, better for us that way. Right? And, and in a lot of ways, it probably was. Yeah. And so I think what we just have to get our heads around is that this amount of information that we're pressured to look at in some ways taking five days off of Facebook showed a correlation between decreases in uh, feelings of depression. So overall, I think if we just take a break, step back, reduce the amount of information we think we need to take in and try to find that sweet spot for ourselves of how much do I really need to know about the world in order to act intelligently within it versus when am I just sort of getting piled on by craziness. So how as Christians can we take that information if we're consuming it wisely and, and we're being good stewards of our time? How can we take that information that we've learned and communicate truth in a way that's loving and compassionate to people who might not agree with us? I think, number one, there's always something compelling about being calm. Uh, and so when we're not activated or triggered about the information that we're talking about, that's always, I think, a better witness. It, it demonstrates to others that we actually do have the peace that surpasses all understanding and, and that, um, you know, we're not threatened by what's going on around us. We're concerned about what's going on us, but we're not threatened. So I think that's number one. Uh, number two, I, I think we'll have a better depth. Um, the way I think of it is, um, you know, when we assume and give our attention to God in these situations, we have a deeper understanding of reality, not a more shallow understanding of reality. And so when we can put God and fit God into these pictures and allow him to take the foreground and what we're looking at, we have a deeper understanding of reality. And if we can start there and keep God in the foreground, as we analyze some of these issues, I think we're always going to have a stronger take than if we sort of try to reason ourselves through these issues from a logical perspective and just try to make the arguments that everyone else is making. Mm. And so um, that to me is real key to this, is that Christians approach this as Christian, not as a political or moral issue. Mm -hmm. It is that, but as Christians, we have to realize there are a lot of people who can address it as a political and a moral issue. We're the only group on this planet who can address it from the perspective of the cross. And so if we don't do that, the world is really missing out on a crucial part of this conversation. And so we've got to figure out how it is that we look at someone who is pro-choice, right? Who's maybe advocating for abortion um, and ask ourselves, how is it that they are lost? They're not our enemy. This is someone who is lost just like I was who's in need of God's grace, just like I was. And so is treating them antagonistically going to be my best move? Or is there some way that I could connect with them and the brokenness that they're recognizing in the world and convey the gospel to them in a more compelling way than maybe they've heard before? Mm. And I think as we're calm and as we have more information, as we're, as we're not, you know, sort of just 
tied into all these cultural conversations, we will have the, the space and the discernment to just sort of follow the Holy Spirit into those conversations that allow him to guide us so that we can convey the gospel in those more um, maybe effective ways. All right. Good stuff there. We're going to have to leave it there with James Spencer. Uh, James, we appreciate you uh, stopping by for a few minutes and having this discussion. Where can people go to uh, take a look at these 20 questions and examine them for themselves uh, and check out more uh, from about the Moody Center? And so uh, it's moodycenter.org. Um, they can find everything they need at moodycenter.org. And the 20 questions specifically are at moodycenter.org backslash 20 questions. And that can be the number 20 or the 20 spelled out. So moodycenter.org backslash 20 questions. And you can check out more of that conversation on this week's episode of Faith versus Culture uh, with DL Moody Center President James Spencer. And that leaves us with time for one last thing today, guys. And we wanted to take a look, Trey, over at Nehemiah. Yeah, so Nehemiah 8.10, the latter part of that verse, it says, this is the holy, this this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think it's so easy in this day and age, whether it's something about Halloween or it's politics, and particularly this year with midterms coming up, yeah. it's easy to get so overwhelmed, I think cynical about everything. Uh, but as believers, this is our temporary home, right? This is not for forever. Uh, and, and we should find great joy in our relationship with the Lord. And that's our strength. That's yeah. what sustains us through all this craziness. Yeah, 100%. And in our conversation with James, he had also mentioned uh, numbers and the story of the spies that came back. And they were all terrified, all of them except for Caleb. And they were terrified. We can't beat these. And they kind of forgot that they had the Lord yeah. on their side. And so I think... This is a similar idea for modern day. Hey, the joy of our Lord is our strength in the midst of things that maybe are getting us down or drag us down or slow us down. Remember where your strength comes from. Yeah, no, I love that because culture will wear us down. Even when we do remember oh. that, you have to kind of like remind yourself throughout the day. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have that in my mind at 9 a.m. And by like 11, I've read so many headlines. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that that's our piece. And, and that's what should give us strength. Yeah, Agreed. Abs- <laughs> absolutely. And uh, <laughs> whose dog was that? Was that yours, Hallowell? That, or was that-, that was mine because the Amazon people are here. <laughs> Well, I'll tell your dog to go read Nehemiah 810 and maybe maybe it'll calm down a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the podcast. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We'll be back here with more tomorrow. God bless.